And we are live for the 132nd episode of the Brock Sparrow Battle Podcast, brought to you by Six Pack Coverage. I'm your host, Matt Luz Luigi, and tonight it's me, Andrew, and Gene. Once again, as been a custom lately, I'm not going to ask how we're doing because right now it's Wednesday night. And we're a few days removed from the Yankees getting swept in the ALCS against the Houston Astros. Rather embarrassingly, I mean, obviously all sweeps are are utterly embarrassing. This one was especially utterly embarrassing. Um, I don't know what was worse between the roof excuses, the 50 strikeouts, hitting like 130 as a team. You could really go any which direction, showing the 3-0 Red Sox comeback against the Yankees 04 before game four. Uh, there is so many ways you can go. But the bottom line is the Yankees, once again, a team that is supposed to only you know be concerned about winning championships is the ultimate goal. Once again, it, guys, we've been doing this podcast for years, and it's like it's, here's another eulogy of, yep, Yankee season's over, falling short again, didn't win the AL. It seems like it's either the Rays, Red Sox, or the Astros every year that bounces us, and this year, it fell back to the Astros, right, for the third time in the last six years. They're headed to the World Series for the fourth time in six years. And, guys, at this point, I think the word I used in my articles that I wrote, it's numb. Like, I'm not angry. I'm not, like, you know, screaming. I'm just numb at this point, man. And I think I think we're all right there, man. Look, dude, the Yankees are officially a broken organization. And... I don't want to sound too much like like Captain Hindsight, but I I did kind of see the writing on the wall for this over the course of the entire regular season. And to be honest, even in the offseason, we had these conversations that this is kind of the direction they were going. If they didn't make those big moves that we thought they needed to make, how could they possibly compete for a world championship this year? Um, I think G put it great in, in the article we posted today. The first sentence of his thing was like, Yankees regular seasons officially don't matter. Uh, and like, that's how, it, how we feel, right? If we're not going to take being a championship caliber team seriously, and we're just content to win 90 to 100 games every year and see what happens in the playoffs, then the team has officially given up on their pursuit of a championship. And it could not be more clear. They're behind the eight ball to the Astros every step of the way, every year. Everything we do to improve, they're improving as well. But they're also retooling. They're finding our weaknesses, and they're ready to expose it at any given opportunity. We didn't lead during the regular season for a single inning, and I think we led it in that four-game sweep of the ALCS for a combined total of, like, three or three-and-a-half innings? I, I, just, think it was, it wasn't good, I think it was man. just game four, right? We, like, the only time I remember us leading was game four. Maybe in the, and the, Harris, the half and, inning and the in, Bader, game, in game two, half-inning with Sevy, right? We were up for a No, no, no. Sevy gave a three-on-home run. We're down earlier. Bader's solo home run off, off Verlander in game one. We had yes, like a half yes, inning that's what I was That thinking. was it, too. That's what I, that's what I was thinking. So it's, it's just ugly, man. Now, they played close a lot of those games. Like, game three was a 5 nothing loss, but it was 2 nothing through until, what, like, the – the sixth inning, I think. Uh, like, there's just so many things that we're gonna get into tonight. The Aaron Boone problem, the Brian Cashman problem, the analytics problem. Like you mentioned, the playing the 2004 ALCS comeback as motivation problem. Uh, Michael K. dunking all over the organization. The quotes that came out from Andy Martino today. There's so much that's going wrong with this team right now. It's a dark cloud over us, and I, I don't want to take the whole thunder away, but like, it's it's bad right now. Yeah, I think Luigi kind of said it you know it's really like i'm not entirely numb but it's really easy to feel that way um it's like when you have so much work to do that you just take a nap instead it's like where the fuck do you even begin um and i don't know i mean we've been fucking complaining about aaron boone since the first game since the day he got hired right bullpen management or lineups or whatever it is 
and what happened in the Astro series that all those things manifested themselves. Boone's management of the bullpen, you know, his random fucking lineup construction, like it's all the same shit. And, um, you know, Brian Cashman certainly deserves cool. his uh, his pound of flesh. We get into all that, but like it's the same shit. And their results against the Astros are getting worse, you know, three times since 2017, and they've gotten worse each time. So yeah, fuck. Yeah. Let, what, what else can you say? Yeah, G. Let's start there in terms of Boone slash Cashman. Now, and I said this in the article I wrote a few days ago, the piece I added to a few days ago is that, look, I, I've been as vocal about hating Boone as the next guy, right? His first season, I have been I did not think he was a good manager, and I still don't. However, I don't think Aaron Boone was the problem this year. Yeah, game one, him putting in Schmidt was bad, or in the Cleveland series, him putting in Schmidt was bad. Uh, you know, putting game in... Game one, Trevino, too. He put, he put Schmidt in yep. game one as well. I was about to say, both, both game ones. But, like, yeah. Boone was terrible, as always. But... But I think Boone, could, you could have literally had like an AI robot in the Yankees dugout made to make bullpen decisions in there. And we'd still lose that series to the Astros. We did not lose that series to the Astros because of Aaron Boone and his bullpen decisions. We may have like it may have cost us a game. It may have taken us out of a game. Yes. But look, we got swept and we got swept because they have a way better team than us. And they have a way better team than us because they're run better than us. Their player development's better than us. They're, they have a you know a new way of looking at things in terms of their front office. Now, obviously, G mentioned this. They kind of had to switch who was in their front office with what happened. But regardless, they have a very like new age way of looking at baseball, right? And obviously, James Click has been there for the last few years. He's supposed to be out after this year. He was with the Rays for organization for 15 years. It's it's just a whole different look. Whereas the Yankees, everyone in their positions has been there for 10 15 20 years and the problem i was never like you know there was people i feel like a few years ago that would call cash a cash god for all these you know low-key moves he'd make he'd turn guys who were thought to be barely major league players into really good players right and he he had a few of those moves and he really gained like kind of kind of a lot of like credit right however the last couple years he's been awful and we said it on this podcast. I, I even went back and listened to this episode of, uh, I forget the exact date, but in late March of this year, when they made that Twins trade to get Josh Donaldson and IKF for basically for Gio and um, Gary, that, and Kay said it perfectly, you know, we'll talk about Kay's rant as well, but that was probably one of, if not the worst trade Cashman has ever made. That and the to, season, to ended, the season the ended right there. The season was yeah, over and, right there. We we kind of said it, but to, to compound the issue on that even even worse is the fact that part of that trade and probably the biggest part of that trade they won't admit it now, uh, but was getting Ben Wortbeck yep. to be the, the catcher because the they were trading Mike Gary, a guy who necessitated another trade because he immediately got hurt. And that worked out for us because Trevino was an all-star in the first half. But imagine if Ben Wirtvet gets health or stays healthy and we don't even have Trevino in this year, like yep. how much worse things would look. And Higgy's starting 120 games. And then who the hell knows what you get with Wirtvet. Like, it, again, I was critical of a lot of the, the, the trade deadline moves. Uh, they were talking about getting Pablo Lopez and who the hell know what happened there. People were really down on the, the Montgomery trade, that's the one I actually supported, and Fader was awesome in the playoffs, so uh, credit to Cashman for that one. But like the, the Frankie Montas trade seemed like settling because they didn't get Luis Castillo, so let's just get the next 
the guy that everyone says is number two on the pecking order. But like, if you didn't actually like that guy, if you weren't obsessed with his peripherals and the numbers and the way he can mesh in your system and his injury history, like why are you making a trade just as a settle move, right? Uh, the Benintendi trade, I didn't love. And I was a little down on him when he was struggling. Uh, I was wrong about that because he did turn it on before he got hurt. But look, there's so many moves that Cashman hasn't done that outweigh the moves that he has done. Uh, but certainly there, there's a lot of blunders in the ones he has made. Yeah. It's just so frustrating, man. And look, and it, like I said, mm-hmm. it, and it's so funny how the same day as the Yankees got eliminated in game four, there's Bryce Harper, game-winning home run, eighth inning, sending his fifth home run in the playoffs. He's hitting 420. He's had like over 1,000 OPS, literally turning in one of the best postseasons from a hitter we've seen in a while. Oh, yeah, the Yankees going to have that guy for the same amount of money that they paid Josh Donaldson this year. They could have had Machado and Harper for the same amount of money that they paid IKF, Chapman, Britton, and Donaldson. That is an organizational failure, man. When that quote came, like the quote was going around, I think it was during spring training when, you know, they asked Cashman about losing Gio because Gio was, you know, a great clubhouse guy. Everyone loved Gio. And he goes, yeah, you know, we're going to miss Gio, but he's not Josh Donaldson. I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you, who do you think Josh Donaldson is, man? Even the previous year, he hit like 25 homers and had like an 800 OPS for the Twins. He was solid, but he wasn't like MVP level. And and the fact that they did not go after Harper because they said, oh, we don't want to be paying an aging superstar, you know, big money into his 30s. You paid 25 million for 36, 37 year old Josh Donaldson this year. Like it just unbelievable, man, that they that they'd made that trade. We said it right when it happened. I couldn't believe how bad that trade was. And not that Gio, look, I'm not sitting here acting like Gio was the second coming of Troy Gloss or like, you know, Mike Schmidt, but Gio was a damn good third baseman. I mean, he was a good clubhouse guy. There was no one, there was no reason he should have left. Like, you know, Noah, who, like, who uh, you know, we interact with a lot. He said it perfectly. He said, that's the perfect, Gio's the typical clubhouse guy you have on a championship team. He's not going to hit, you know, the top of the lineup. He's not going to hit 40 home runs, but he's a glue guy. He makes all the plays he needs and everyone likes him. And getting rid of him, for a guy like Josh Donaldson, who was just all around on and off the field, was just awful all year, should cause Cashman his job. We know it won't, but it should. Um, and so the thing about that, I guess, specifically was what were we told? It's like, oh, the Yankees, they were complacent. They were whatever. You know, they didn't you know, they weren't fired up like Josh Donaldson is going to bring like edge to the clubhouse. And, you know, whatever else, like the only only edge he brought was there was racist remarks. There's slightly racist remarks he made about um, I'm forgetting the player right now. Um, He got suspended for the the, he called Tim Anderson. Anderson? Yeah, when he called him Jackie. That's the only edge Josh Donaldson brought to the the Yankees this year. It was like an edgy, Um, slightly racial remark. Guy sucks. And like this. Yeah, I mean, and he's I mean, look, it's not 2012 anymore. Like he once was an MVP candidate, you know, that kind of caliber player. Um, he was very good defensively this year. Very good. Yep. And that's it because he stunk offensively. And I'll say in, in turn, on Cashman, like, I think this era, right, if you want to say the baby bomber era, like, they were set up. They had that quick little reload, rebuild, right? They arrived sooner than you thought. It's 2017, Judge has the breakout year, 50 home runs. Gary Sanchez hit, I think, 30 home runs and had 90-something RBIs, like, they arrived. They make the Cinderella run to Game 7 of the ALCS, and it's like, hey, they're on the cusp here. They had a payroll of like $195 million that year. Um, so I'd say that's like the line of demarcation for me, where it's like, hey, they were set up. You know, you had kind of some 
flexibility in contracts where like you had Headley and he wasn't going to stick around for too much longer and Ellsbury, they shit canned A-Rod and et cetera. But like the moves he's made since then, and it's partially the moves he's made, partially the moves he hasn't made. Um, tweet here that was from, that I was reading was from Bobby Malone. It was like the Sonny Gray deal, the Jay Happ deal, the Joey Gallo deal, Andrew Haney, you know, development of Clint Frazier, Glaber Torres, Gary Sanchez, Miguel Andujar, Debbie Garcia, um, signing Aaron Hicks to the long-term contract. Uh, the IKF Josh Donaldson deal has got to be the worst trade of his entire tenure mm-hmm. pretty comfortably. And the other part of that is the ones that he didn't make. Um, at the deadline in 2017, they didn't get Verlander. It cost them that year. It is still costing them five years later. Um, not going for Garrett Cole, which, you know, whatever, they got him eventually, but, like, they had a chance at the Astros in 2019, and they lost in six games. Um, so, and the cost of that is obviously prospects, none of which worked out, which maybe it's like, you know, who knows, if they were somewhere else, maybe they would have, but either way, they didn't work out for the Yankees, so what, you know, yep. like, there's the moves that he did make since then were not good, and the moves that he didn't make are also not good and worked out really well for fucking other people. So yeah. I'd say if you're talking about in eras like this era, this Cashman contract, he signed a five-year deal after 2017. This one has been a pretty resounding failure. Yeah. Yeah. And let's, let's not forget G you, you said, Oh, they, when they didn't sign Harper Cashman, one of the reasons he cited was, Oh, we have six outfielders right now. You know, who those six outfielders were Aaron judge, obviously. Okay. You know, I'm like going to be the MVP this year. That's, you know, un- well understood. John Carlos Stan, who since that quote, I think played 90 games in the outfield. Um, Aaron Hicks. Uh, you know, I think we all know about Aaron Hicks. Uh, Mike Talkman, Brett Gardner, and Clint Frazier. Those were the outfielders. That We could not get Bryce Harper because we had the, that stellar six-man outfield. Like, oh, my God, I, I want to puke just thinking about that. And really, we... And also the super fucking annoying thing about that was Harper's contract was 13 years, 330 million, which like, obviously it's like, oh, wow, that's like an eye popping number. It's what was it? Twenty six million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Ten million dollars for it says it was ten million dollars for the first year. Either way, um, that must have been like the last year of his current. Um, whatever. Right. It was no, he, 20, his, his contract six, is is three hundred and thirty million dollars over thirteen seasons. So yeah, it's less than yeah. So it's like twenty two million, twenty two million bucks for the last three, twenty six million dollars for like the first nine or ten years. And if you're saying like, oh, revenue is going to go up, spending presumably will go up. It's up close to three hundred million already. It's like the Yankees yeah, paid twenty five million. Annual bucks. cash means nothing. They they don't give a shit about the annual cash. They care about oh, the yeah, AAV. The fact... They're so they're so fucking yeah, averse exactly. to the to the luxury tax. That's all I'm part. saying. It's like if you're signing him now, right? I guess presumably the spending will go up. Maybe the tax thresholds will eventually go up after another lockout. You know, five or six years from now, whatever. But like you're locking him in at a fucking reasonable rate that they paid literally Donaldson the same fucking thing this year. Like I don't yeah. know what their aversion is. It's like oh well, we don't want to be committed to another ten year deal. Like what the fuck do you care? Like, yep. You're keeping these like one or two little like, Oh, Jay Happ, 15 million bucks for the next two or three years. 
you know, Zach Britton, I think, you know, it's okay for a couple of years. Like he got hurt this year, whatever, but right. it's like $15 million for th- the next three years, rather than $20 million for the next eight years. It's like, why don't you just pay for good players? You worry about yeah. if your primary concern is having a good enough team to put fans in the seats, like then get good players. If you build it, they will come, right? Yeah. Literally, literally. It's no, like, yeah, it's I agree. 10 more years, but it's 10 more years for a dramatically it, better player. Yeah, and the Yankees are, are, they're making so many moves, or at least they, they have already for the past three or four years. I don't know how that's going to continue going to this offseason. They've made so many moves trying to avoid those long-term commitments because they've gotten burned by some of them in the past, right? Like, we, we don't need to go down, like, the Jacoby Ellsbury road, the Alex Rodriguez road, the Mark Desherry, even at the end of his career, he was kind of washed. Um, but look, at, at the front end of those deals, you have players in their prime, you're making market rate salaries, right? And, and again, if you have to cut the corners elsewhere to make sure that you have, like, five marquee players in the middle of your lineup and round them out with a bunch of league minimum guys, fine, so be it. And then you can worry about, like you mentioned, the increasing salary uh, the, the CBT figure in the future with, with more revenue coming in. And then their impact in terms of the total CBT figure is less and less as that number goes up. But but I, I get they don't want to get burned in 2028, 2029, 2030 on these long-term deals, but they've sacrificed 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, and now 2022 because they haven't maximized their, their player capital, like the, the amount of talent that's on the roster. And they've missed out on a chance to go to the World Series in all five of those seasons. The best they got was game six in 2019, and that was it. Yeah, um, and and like, geez, like you were mentioning all those Cashman deals. I feel like the issue is, because he has made some good trades in the past few years, of course. But the problem is, I feel like there's just way too many of these trades that have not just been like, ah, oh, that wasn't a good trade. They've been awful. Like, man, Sonny Gray. Joey Gallo, like how many of these guys have is he gotten? Is he traded for that have not, that haven't even been bad? They've been beyond awful, and like that really, I think is like the alarming concern. Like how many of these guys we've had a deal with where we trade for a guy, and it's like oh my god, this guy's like unplayable. It's that's like the real. He's had so many like train wreck moves over the last few seasons. It's it's concerning. It really is. I think I'm more mad about those moves that he makes that that don't work out than the ones he doesn't. Because in a lot of cases, like, let's be perfectly honest, we don't know what these prospects are, are going to be able right. to, to produce in the future. And prospects are prospects, so there is a risk with them. Like, sometimes, like, like look, for all we know, the guys the Mariners traded for Luis Castillo can all be bums. They got him this year and ex- extended him immediately, so they have him for five or six more years. That may be a, a complete surefire win for them, right? But look, when, when every team comes to, like, the Atlanta – actually, not the Atlanta – the Oakland Athletics wants um, – your top three or top five for, for Matt Olson. Uh, again, even I, the bad example is, is the Garrett Cole one, right? Because that was Clint Frazier and uh, Miguel Andujar and I think Floreal, and they didn't make that trade. And those guys all are bums and out of the organization at this point. But look, if a guy like Peraza, Volpe, Dominguez all end up being good, I, I'm not going to crucify Cashman for not trading them for a short-term fix a year or two ago. But it's the moves that he does make that he tries to kind of cut corners. And again, one ne- one necessitates the other, right? If you're not going to go big game hunting and trade your top prospects, you got to trade someone else, and you got to get the best you best pro- play, best player, excuse me, available for whatever that caliber prospect is. But every move he made is outside, of like the Bader one, it has, just has not worked out. Like, how can you be so off in your scouting and your analytics and, and in your overall view of this player? I, 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 
I don't even know if it's completely and totally cashman because Michael K was talking about it on his show Tuesday, maybe, maybe it was maybe it was Monday. I don't recall, but basically saying that Cashman hired everyone in the analytics department, right? Everyone under him, the assistant GMs and all that stuff, Fishman, Gene Afterman, all them pe uh, people, but they're making most of the decisions for him because he hired them and, and trained them so that basically they're just an extension of him at this point. Like he could come up with the, the same viewpoints, understanding of whoever these players are, right? But he, he trusts them enough that they're doing that work for him and they're making recommendations. It, the whole system is broken, man. Everything, top to bottom. And um, so I'll say, well, I mean, here, you know, I guess in fairness, right? Like he hasn't made, you know, we've said, he hasn't made no good moves. You got Wandy Peralta for Mike Talkman. You got Clay Holmes for Hoy Park. Um, Harrison Bader would still, you know, out of left field move, right? You know, we didn't see that coming, which, you know, that's wonderful. Um, but it's, see, the thing about it, it's, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, it's not like they're not spending money, right? It's not like their payroll is like $175 million exactly. or like $150 million. Their payroll was right up against the tax line. And maybe Hal just wants to, like, not be locked into, like, six or seven of these, like, gigantic contracts so that he can keep the flexibility to try to, like, get below the threshold and reset their rate every, like, few years or whatever. Like, their payroll is, like, $265 million at the end of this year. Yeah, it's and not, what are you spending it's not how on? much they're spending. It's what they're spending. It's like we were spending almost yeah. like 60 mil on Britain, Chapman, and Donaldson this year. Oh, God, yeah. It's like, like you know, Hicks is, I would say Hicks is, like, the, you know, the total value of Hicks's contract was $70 million. Like, it, it's not, like, the worst contract, but did it need to be for seven years? Mm-hmm. And otherwise, it's like Britain was 15 million. Chapman was like 17 or 18 million. Right. Like it all adds up to where it was like they had like 70 something million dollars or 60 something million dollars. That they needed that was just like not contributing at all. Um, and over the years, right. It's like, oh, Andrew Haney, this or Jay Happ for 17 million bucks. It's like, dude, what what are we doing? You're not saving barely anything like spend the extra three to five to eight million bucks and get just like a legitimately good player for that price. Like, what are you doing? You're not saving Hal any money. It's what I said all off season, Jay, you know, the Yankees, they try to do all these. We're the smartest guy in the move trades. Oh, we're, why, why should we get the perennial all-star shortstop? We're going to get a guy who, Oh, he was a gold glove at third baseman, but our analytics team shows that he could actually be a top five shortstop in baseball. And by the way, the fact that Hoke, you know, came on his uh, interview, he basically said, he came out and said, oh yeah, the Yankees were just gaslighting all year at that camp, which we all knew, obviously, when they would have, you know, Michael Kay and Boone would go back and forth, Kay saying, they have, you know, the numbers to prove IKF's like a bottom third shortstop in baseball, and Boone's like, actually, we have the numbers to prove he's a top five shortstop in baseball. We all knew they were gaslighting him, and the fact they benched him in the ALCS just proved that, but yeah, it's just, like, it really, it's just, at the end of the day, that's like the main problem was all the, this entire baby boomer Yankee analytic era, they just, they think they're so much smarter than the fans than the ticket than everyone. And the results proven that like, let's, let's talk about the Michael K uh, segment. I think it was Monday. I think he went off Tuesday as well, but like his main segment that went viral was Monday. And man, like, I'm not sure. Like, I feel like a lot of Yankee fans over the years, I've heard kind of like, not like K and say, you know, not really favor him as an announcer, but man, I, I did not see like anyone say anything negative about K after that uh, interview came out Monday. I mean, he eviscerated the Yankees for 30 straight minutes. It was unbelievable, and everything he said was right. It was really everything he said was true. To listen to that, like, 
He really did go in for like 30 straight yeah. minutes. Yeah, it was, it was, I, like I said, like he said so many words, he said so many things and every single thing he said was like absolutely true. And well, and that all comes on the heels of, remember he was going at Aaron Boone after yep. game three maybe? Yep. Or maybe Carpenter. it was, I don't know. Right, and he was like, and Boone said, what, you're unbelievable? Yep. So like, yeah, there was no, clearly some animosity no, the, there. The Andrew, it's, funny, it's funny that you said that because I wanted to mention that. So, right, they were on there and Kay was calling Boone out, right? He said, hey, how could you have this guy in here? He hasn't you know, face live pitching in two and a half months. Now you're throwing him out there against the best pitching in the ALCS. Like, that's not fair to the guy. And basically, I think the answer Boone gave was, oh, well, we recorded his swing velocity in batting practice, and it was the same as when he was hitting all those home runs. It's like, dude, any any person that played baseball could tell you, yo, if you haven't faced live pitching in two and a half months and then go up against a face a guy who's like, you know, one of the best pitcher in your league, whatever league that is, like, that's not a good formula. You, you need some practice before that. And yeah, Boone said to him, like, when Kay kind of said that, he got, Boone shrugged him off and said, ugh, you're unbelievable. And Kay Monday goes, yeah, I was unbelievably right. Like, oh, I was laughing so hard because he's, he's freaking right, man. Like, how are you going to say, like, stick your nose up at someone like Michael Kay, who literally has been the Yankees announcer for over 20 years, watches, you know, 100, announced 130, 140, however many games he announced the year. He knows this team better than anyone, probably better than you, Boone. You're going to tell him, like, oh, you're unbelievable, Michael. Like, it's just the whole attitude the, from them calling the fans customers at the rain out. It's like this whole attitude of this organization is just despicable. You know what I wish, like, whenever uh, Hal does his interview, and I know this would, like, never happen in this because, you know, whoever would ask this question would probably get fired. But I really do wish someone would just ask Hal and say to Hal, what do you think your father would think of the job you're doing with this team? I would love to hear what he had to say. Like, what do you think your father would say about you, man? Like, your father's probably a shit. Your father's rolling in his grave watching how you're managing this team, talking about, oh, we got to keep our business partners happy. Like, oh, my God, man. Like, it's just this is why most family businesses, you know, crash in the second generation because you have kids, you know, like who had the quote? It was I think it was Jim Harbaugh who said, you know, some people are born on third base and they think they hit a triple. Like, that's how Steinbrenner. Like, that's how Stein. He's just an awful owner. And I wish he would just sell the team. But. Yeah, and look, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to defend Hal by any mean here, but to his credit, at least, he has been a, a, a good soldier among all of this. He's stuck by Cashman and Boone, and before Boone, Girardi, and he spent a billion dollars, over a billion dollars of his own money. And I, I think Mike, Michael K said in part of that rant, he's like, if I'm the owner, I'd be irate, I'd be red in the face and and pissed. And and I think part of the problem with Hal is that that level of frustration he won't actually match and, and it may take now not be explosive over the top like his father because look to his credit uh, you know the championships that that george won it was in a short window stick michael built those teams they they had a, a good core that knew how to win kind of like the astros do now and outside of that steinbrenner on the team for 30 years and they won like six titles so like he wasn't exactly and, and including getting you know, getting banished from the sport yes. by, by no, I realized George wasn't all great, but the point is you could never question George Pat, George's passion. And it really seems right. like how with how, how, how with the 20 games a year? Like how, how it goes to 20 home games a year? Like, it, I don't know, man. It, it's just, and really, let's, let's just talk about them probably bringing back Cashman and Boone. It's well, that's, that's already pretty much confirmed. Yeah. At this point. It hasn't like formally been announced by the team, but that SI article that came out essentially said, yeah. Hal Steinbrenner stands by 
uh, Aaron Boone. They just signed him to an extension last year because he thinks he's a good manager. All the same things that they saw in him last year, they still see in him, which, look, it, we were screaming until we were blue in the face last year. If they don't see the problems now or they don't see a, a remedy to getting him over the hump, then it's never going to happen, right? Um, and then that goes back to what what Kay said too about analytics, how how they're slaves to the data. And you look at a guy like like Dusty Baker, for example, right? Who the the Astros are arguably more analytic than than the Yankees. They use data more. They use it more effectively. But Dusty Baker has a feel for the game. He does whatever the fuck he wants in the mound because he's right. the man in charge. Aaron Boone gets, I don't want to call it game scripts, but hey, if this happens, this is the, the logical move. If this happens, this is the best statistical move. If this ha- if you're in this situation, do this or consider this. And he just is a slave to that. He doesn't have a feel for the game. Yeah, it's like um, said, like case said, he, they're so like enslaved to that. Like they're so, they're so like, they have way too many numbers to like deal with. It's like, dude, oh, like I forget what the exact, ter- exact term is called, but like overload of information is not good. You know, like you're, the human brain could only comprehend so much information to a point where it's like, you know, everything just seems like scribble, right? It's nothing's going to make sense. And that's the yeah. problem with Boone and the Yankees. That's what Kay was saying too, where he was like, they pour so much information into him, right? Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's only to be like, oh, well, the Yankees are, you know, focusing on the wrong data, whatever. They're mining for the wrong information, whatever. Like that, he goes, they pour so much information into Boone that he probably just doesn't know how to synthesize it and apply it and deploy the numbers in a way that actually helps people. Um, Kay was saying, like, you know, people say, like, in general, it's like, oh, Boone is just a puppet. He gets all his shit from the front office. Like, he doesn't make decisions. Michael Kay was saying, like, I think he, that he, agree, like, you know, he's, he would believe that Aaron Boone does make the game decisions, which, like, if it's true, then he's just really bad at making decisions in game, that he has no feel for the game. <laughs> yes. Like, um, you could say, oh, you know, Cashman didn't provide him a perfect roster. They didn't have a true leadoff hitter, whatever. It's like they had LeMahieu, they had Benintendi, they both got hurt, um, et cetera. Bullpen was weaker this year on average than it was in other years, whatever. But, like, if Boone is making the decisions, he's just really bad at it. Like, so, because we saw more this year, right? And say, hey, we hired this guy for his communication skills. Well, we had a few instances of these playoffs where the communication seemed to be lacking, right? Game three against the Guardians, Clay Holmes was apparently unavailable, and he didn't know it. And then after the game, he goes like, oh, I was ready to pitch. And Boone is saying, oh, he's not available. And, you know, Louis said Reno at that point is just like, oh, well, I thought everyone should be available. He seemed like, you know, whatever. It's like, that's kind of weird that... Boone would be saying these things, and no one else seems to be aware of why the reasoning would for that would be. And the other thing is just, you know, bullpen usage, his pitching, you know, bringing in Clark Schmidt in, you know, long relief or in very high leverage situations, not bringing in, like, experienced reliever Domingo Herman until, like, the ninth inning of Game 3 when there was a few other instances where he maybe could have been used, like... The list goes on and on. His bullpen management was fucking awful this playoffs. And just in general, we could say organizationally or otherwise, right? The Astros lose an established shortstop last year. They start a rookie from game one. Plays all year. It's a game-winning home run in the playoffs against the Mariners. And what did the Yankees do? They 
you know, a couple of years ago, right? They lost Didi. They were going to do the Glaber thing. It didn't work out. They moved off it. So I guess kudos to them for identifying that. And they say, hey, you know, what do we have? We have Peraza on the cusp in AAA or AA, AAA. You know, we have Volpe. He's going to AA. He was in AAA by the end of the season. But, like, we're not going to go after Correa. We're not going to go after whoever else. You know, Marcus Simeon. We're not going to go after Corey Seager, et cetera. We're not going to go with Peraza. We're not going to start one of our highly touted, basically the number two prospect in organization from game one, game 30, the day after the trade deadline from September 1st. We didn't do any of that. We elected to move, make that move in game four of the ALDS when we were up against the wall. And, and that's the biggest difference with this team is that if you're going to go to a guy like IKF as a stopgap, I totally am okay with that as long as that's what he is. As soon as Peraza was ready to take over, he should have been given ample opportunity to finish that season. So he wasn't just like, oh, by the way, you're starting game two of the league championship series today. Uh, I know you haven't played in like three weeks, but here's uh, here's Forever Valdez. Good luck, kid. Like, what the fuck was that yeah. right now? IK clearly wasn't working early in the year, and I get they were committed to him, and they gave us some bullshit answer that he was still a good defensive hitter. His his hitting with runners in scoring position was competent, so that probably kept him in the lineup too. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you were ready to hand the keys to the kingdom to a guy like Oswald Peraza, the second he was ready, whether it be July 1st, whether it be August 1st, whatever, he's got to be your everyday shortstop from that point to the rest of the season, and then you are committed to him in the playoffs as well. You're ready to ride and die with him. Because they didn't sign the, yep. the big free agent guys last year for the sole reason of keeping the position available for Peraza and yep. potentially Volpe. Volpe, I think, better projects at second base long term. But if you are committed to Peraza, that's fine. Stand your... Put, Dig your, your heels in the sand and say, this is the guy. We're committed to him long-term. And then immediately give him the opportunity like the Astros did with Jeremy Pena. I think it was Noah who said in, in probably one of like our, our, our snap groups, just basically like how a winning organization trusts in their players. They empower their players. And look what happened. Pena rewarded them with the league championship series MVP. That's the difference between the Astros and the Yankees. Yep, you're absolutely right. And look, like I, like I, like, you know, I'm all for like letting the kids get a chance to play, but and I even saw when the lineup was announced for game two, like when Peraza was in the lineup, people were like, yo, let's go, Peraza. And I was like, bro, he's played 13 career MLB games. What the hell is he doing in the ALCS? He's an automatic out. Yeah, he played good in the field. He made some nice plays, but like you couldn't expect him to get a hit in that situation. Like him and Cabrera combined had like 65 career games, I think, at that point. Like, like the problem, like at that point, it's too late. You can't just like throw him in there and say, hey, we're playing our kids now, you see? No, you had to play them all year. If you would have given them at least 60, 70 games, they would have been better suited to perform in the postseason. But no, like you said, they Peraza hadn't played in three weeks. And it's like, oh, hey, yo, Framber Valdez, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Good luck. Oh, road and environment, ALCS. Like, it's just it's It was so weird. We've talked about IKF plenty this year. But, like, the fact that they were so weirdly resistant, whether it was gaslighting or I could say if I was going to be, like, you know, feign ignorance or whatever, I'd be like, well, Buddha's just trying to stay – in support of his players, you know, keep his confidence, trying to not just like air him out and shatter him and fucking just shit all over him all like in the media, whatever. If you wanted to feign ignorance, maybe I would say something like that. Like he was just trying to support his player. But it plain as they obvious, right? It's like he had 15 or 16 errors. He was like sixth or seventh most American League shortstop errors. It doesn't even factor in like, you know, balls he didn't get to, throws that he skipped, and Anthony Rizzo, you know, short hopped or prevented from getting past them or whatever. It's like he was genuinely awful at the sh- at position all year long. And it was so weirdly 
stubborn. And then, of course, reactionary, where it's like, hey, we're starting him the first three games of this series. Hey, we're down now. And, oh, no, we're going to yank him out of there. Put in Oswaldo Cabrera. And that's probably like his fourth position. Um, so weird. And, of course, right before they announced the DS roster, right, Boone was like, well, it's Peraza or Hicks, depending on what way we go. Well, predictably, they went with Hicks, and it bit them in the ass because Boone's bullpen management and IKF's defense were the two reasons why they went to get five games and almost lost that series. Um, you know, so it's just weird. It's so reactionary. It's so weird. Like, they could have, at the very latest, right? Hey, we bring him up September 1st, expand the rosters. He's going to play you know, every day, three, every, you know, three games, you know, whatever, three games a week, whatever it is. He got 50 at bats this, you know, when he came up and he batted 300 and he's like a really good defender. And it just doesn't make any sense. Like why are so committed to the stop gap? Like I guarantee goddamn you, the only reason he started game one of the fucking DS was because he hit that home run against Verlander that one time, like two years ago. It's it's just so fucking weird. And I guess another quick thing about trusting your players, right? Garrett Cole in yep. game four against the Astros, the $36 million man. Game, it was game three, but yeah, your point remains. Oh, yeah, right. Game, You know, what's was, was it game three? Yeah, it was 2-0. Um, yeah. um, Garrett Cole, $36 million man, right? Your ace. He had the one bad game against the Red Sox. Otherwise, he's been really, really good. He's been really good these playoffs. Wasn't exactly getting knocked around. You know, he had a rough inning. They loaded the bases with nobody out. It's the sixth inning. And you take him out. Michael K commented on this. Yankees, like, pre-script. You know, maybe Boone doesn't have a feel. They try and script it out and be like, hey, if someone, if we get in trouble, Lou Trevino is going to be the first out of the man, out of the bullpen. Like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Michael K said this. He goes, this makes no sense. He goes, Garrett Cole... Or your best relief pitcher. Exactly. This is the season, right? This is good on three. Oh, you're dead. You're dead. And this goes like, back to the same pre-scripted analytical game archive, whatever the hell you want to call it, right? Like Michael K used the term lanes, and apparently that's a term that the Yankees used too. Like this was the lane for uh, for Lou Trevino, which basically said, "Hey, the first opportunity to bring in a reliever, um, Trevino stuff." I say hypothetical. I don't know what the conversation were, but like we could presume, right? Like his stuff said, matches like, up well against order, the bottom basically. of their order, or we trust him against the bottom of their order. Whereas if it's Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, Pena, whoever it may be, right? We're gonna go to or we're gonna go to Loisaga, we're gonna go to Peralta, we're gonna go to Holmes, whatever it was. Um, but the fact is, like, yeah, like like Kay said, the they 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 looked at that bases loaded. No outs, a two nothing game, but still within striking range. And I know they didn't score in that game, but they did get two guys on base in the eighth and ninth inning of those games. And in a two nothing game, maybe it's completely different. So who the hell knows? Uh, maybe they do rally. Probably not, but maybe. The fact that it was, oh, well, this is the predetermined spot for Lutravino just shows the lack of feel for the game and the lack of, of a vision of what's happening right in front of you. Right? Your season is on the See? fucking brink. You're about to lose game three at home to go down 3-0. Only one team has come back down 3-0. You cannot lose this game, especially on home field tonight, especially with their ace on the mound. And they bring in their fourth best reliever. Like, are you fucking kidding like, me? It's so idiotic. And it, it, again, this is to be like, if you genuinely believe that Boone makes all the decisions in game, 
then what do I envision, right? He's sitting in his office being like, hey, you know what? No matter what the fuck happens, the first chance I get a reliever out of the bullpen is going to be Lou Trevino. Like, what kind of stupid bullshit is that? And then, Boone, we saw this earlier in the playoffs, right, when A-Rod commented on his usage of Aaron Judge. Again, a fucking coincidence. The next day, Aaron Judge is batting second. Like, and so the next day, right, we said, that doesn't make any sense. Why the fuck did you do that? Why did you, earlier in the series, bring in Clark Schmidt inexplicably, he somehow gets out of it, and then you send his ass back out there just for him to give up home runs? Like, and we all comment on it. Doesn't make any sense. Garrett Cole looked so pissed off after that game. Like, because it's like, yeah, if you take him out, then bring in Clay Holmes, who hadn't pitched at all in the series to that point, bring in Loisaga. And so what happened, right? We were eviscerating him after the game. And what happened the next game, right? First man out of the bullpen was Loisaga. Then he brought in Holmes. Then he brought in Wandy. It's like, hey, empty the tank with your best relievers because it wasn't on the brink last game, but it's definitely on the brink now. And you fucked it up. So, like, it's. We know he hears this shit, but we've been saying it, right? Like, but but that, that's years. the sense of urgency that he hasn't like, had hey, since If I could just one. skate through this inning, if I could just skate through this inning, then I'll be set up, and I could go all my fucking good guys the next. It's so fucking idiotic, man. I hate this goddamn guy. Yeah, look, 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 that's it. it. It's the sense of urgency. You went going back to what you said about Clay Holmes being used in Game Three of the ALDS against Cleveland, like why he wasn't in that closer spot because Boone deemed it wasn't an emergency. An emergency, I guess, was they were like in the fifteenth inning. There was no one left in the bullpen because he didn't want to push Holmes two days in a row, fresh off an injury. But he would have he would have been okay using him in Games Four and Five on consecutive days, which had there not been a rainout, would have been on consecutive days, and he still would have done that. I just don't understand, man. Like you said, we said this in 2018. Like he needs to have a sense of urgency. You can't punt games. He punted game one of the league championship series, and then he didn't have that that same feel throughout. I I just don't understand when this guy is going to learn. Like, is he a good manager? Maybe. Is he good in the clubhouse? Sure. But he hasn't progressed since 2008. We're having the same conversations, the same criticisms about him as we had his first year. 2018. Red Sox were on top before, probably weren't winning shit that year anyway, but it's still frustrating to watch a new manager make mistakes that Joe Girardi never did. But you could also have a have a grain of salt, you know, you could take it with a grain of salt and be like, well, he's new to the job, he's learning, he'll get better, this won't be an issue in a few years. But we're here five years later and it's still happening. Yep. No, nothing has changed really, man. Nothing as much has changed with Boone. Um, Dude, I cannot believe they took Garrett Cole out of that game and brought in Lou Trevino. I cannot fucking believe that happened. I mean, I can't. Garrett, oh, yeah, I mean, I can in, like, a really a, a sad sort of way. But, like, I swear to God, if, if Garrett Cole just, like, hauled off and punched him in the face in the dugout, I wouldn't have honestly been surprised. Like, he looked so <laughs> mad. He looked so fucking mad. Like, obviously, there's no, like, you know, Mariano Rivera down in the Yankees' bullpen or, like, you know, shut down dominant every single timeout guy. Loisig is probably the closest one. He's your best guy. And they, I don't know. It's so it's unbelievable, dude. I swear to God, Garrett Cole looks so pissed off. But like, that's the shit that bothers me because it's like believing in their players, right? What what kind of shit is that? I signed here for nine years. They're gonna take me out in the most important inning of the whole season for because Luke the difference like, the difference is they quote unquote stand. I don't think they believe in their players. I think they support their players. He'll he'll stand by a player after a game blew up in his face 
in the post game, be like, yeah, I trust him. His stuff looked good. It didn't work out. But he wasn't acting, and this is going back to what I said about the Astros' Jeremy Payne. He won't empower the player to actually get through it themselves. He'll just cover for his ass in the post game. Like that, that's a completely different thing, and that shows how how broken they are from top to bottom. Oh man, well, there's really not much more to say. So, guys, we haven't talked about Aaron Judge yet this episode, and I think that's a good place to finish this episode because do we have to? As we all know, he's a free agent, and Look, that that was off. That was I mean, not for nothing. But Brian Cashman is technically also his contract is up. Yeah, well, we don't yeah. have to talk more about yeah. that. But, you know, <laughs> anyway. But yeah, I mean, we, we're going to obviously get into this a lot more in later episodes of this offseason. That's pretty much going to be the main focus. But look, Aaron Judge was pretty pathetic this offseason, this postseason. It's it's simple to say, look, look we all knew. The, the deficiencies of the Yankees offense over the last few months. Like we all knew that this offense was being held up by Aaron judge and we needed him this postseason, man. We needed him. Look, we got swept by Houston. Yeah. Three of those games were close games. We lost two, uh, one or no, we lost four, two, five. Like we lost two run, one run. And like, I think two, one run and two. Uh, I don't even know at this point, my memory's fine, but the point is, Three to four the Yankees held games. the Astros to like three to four runs a game and held Altuve and Jordan Alvarez to yeah. basically like a bunch no, of singles. Basically nothing. Yeah. And, and got pretty comfortably beaten and, in four straight and games. You know, like the most frustrating part about Judge, and I said he was getting pitches to hit. He, like there was one at bat. He got three straight fastballs down the middle. He fouled all of them back. Like I don't know what was wrong with him, but. The point is, look, he's a free agent and he's going to demand a big contract. And I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I really don't know if I want the Yankees to, to, to sign him. I really don't. Look, this team is this is already a team who has a 33-year-old Stanton who's locked in for five more years, a 32-year-old Cole who's locked in for six more years. What, are they now going to have to lock in the judge five or six more years who's going to be 31 at the start of next season, who's never going to have a good of his year as he just had last year? Who's had injury? Yeah, he stayed healthy the last two years, but he's had injury issues in the past. I don't know, man. I really don't know that. Like, I think it may just be from that postseason putting a sour taste in my mouth, but I don't know. And, and like Hope said, judge, if the Yankees if they sign Judge, they're not going to do anything else this offseason. They'll make a few moves here and there, but they're not going to do anything else of significance. So, but on the know, contrary, if they do sign him. Then what else are we getting next year? You're getting the exact same team you right. have this year, and, and and that's the problem is that without Judge, I think I think it was Rizzo had a quote that like Judge accounted for like 40 wins, which obviously he was a little tongue in cheek, right? His I mean, without Judge, like, we don't make playoffs. Well, yeah, he was basically saying you take 40 wins off this team and look where they are without him, right? Uh, which is a little hyperbole, but if you don't resign Judge. You have a shit ton of money to spend on, on other free agents. Right. But the question is, how are you going to replicate yeah, what judges, even even like a 2019 or 2020 type judge, right? Like he's never going to have a 62 home. I at least I don't think he's going to have a almost triple crown 62 home run season again. Now, he may be a 50 home run guy if he locks in whatever hit this year and he can continue it for the next three, four years. That's fine. But that's the balancing act is it, you commit so much money to retain your most important player. And then you're kind of just ignoring every other area of the team because you don't want to spend $300 million. Or do you willingly let him walk because you don't want to go to seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years 
And if you do that, how the hell can you get back to the ALCS or better without your literal MVP? Yeah, like that's the judge. I would be asking that more of the Yankees rather than the Yankees of judge, right? Because obviously you have to perform in the playoffs. Like it sucks. And at the very least, they probably could have gotten like a game or two off the Astros if he gotten hits here and there. Like, is it going to be this and that or this, you know, this or that? It's like, is it judge and things or judge or things? It's like we can sign Aaron Judge or we can get two or three other players. Or it's like we'll get Aaron Judge and then also commit to spending more money to actually make our team like legitimately competitive. Because I don't know. And that's the fucking weird thing about it. It's like, again, they're not spending $150 million on payroll. They're already spending that fucking much. Like, if you may, if you win the World Series, you make a shit ton more money anyway. So, like, what the hell are we, uh, like, we're nickel and diming at the stupidest possible way. And if I was judge, it'd be like, the Astros are out there printing their own goddamn money. You know, what? or, you know, the Astros, right? The fucking Dodgers, too, right? There's, like, why wouldn't I consider it? And I think... I, I think it'll be the... He'll probably it'll be stay, the, but... It's yeah. A, stupider decision than it has to be i see here's my like one reason why i kind of want him to stay like if there is anything is the fact that i just don't trust this front office to you know without judge to build a good enough team you know like if this if judge leaves it's like oh now we're gonna do this 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 no we probably won't we'll probably still have like a mediocre offseason lose judge because if we lost judge then it's like all right like maybe we can get trey turner they're not gonna do that i i just don't have any confidence in this front office i really don't so maybe just re-signing Judge, the guy who, you know, is going to be the reigning MVP, the guy who hit just 62 runs. Yeah, maybe just re-sign him because that is, ensures you that you're going to have an elite hitter on your team for at least the next few seasons, hopefully. But I don't know, man. I, I really don't. I, it's, such a, it's such a tough situation. It really is. I mean, I love Judge. I really do. But, I mean, that, that postseason performance was shameful, man. He had five hits in nine games. I mean, what the fuck, man? Like, he, he, that was like, uh, and he would tell you, this, he, that was pathetic. Like, he, he was just, it's just so awful. And then, to, on top of it, and the fact in game four, he runs in front of Bader, cutting obviously the two run home. Like, he, he, he was clearly, it was clearly, he was just out of it, man. Like, he, uh, his approach was terrible. He was missing pitch. Like, it was what, like I said, it was probably the worst, per- like, I can't remember of league MVP performing that bad in October. You know, not like obviously it's not like a given that every person that wins the MVP is going to get a chance to hit in October, obviously. But right. I, and I obviously he's remember. exhausted from the home run. Chase. Right. Right. But, I, I, but at the same time, it's like you, you, say, you need to be better than five for 36. You need yeah, to be better no than RBI than anything a, else, oh, yes, right? no RBI. You need to be better than like think of it this way, guys. And obviously this is with like a couple more games. Bryce Harper hit more doubles in the postseason than Aaron Judge had hits. He had more. He has six doubles. Aaron Judge has five hits. Like, and look, I, I, I get it. Bryce Harper facing like the the Yankees faced the Guardians and Astros, two of the best pitching staffs in baseball. I get it. I get it. The you know the Phillies. Bryce Harper is not facing as good a pitching as Judge was. I get it. But still, I mean, those numbers are just absolutely putrid. I mean, it was, it was just and like the whole team was too. But we knew, like we we expected the team to be like that. We had watched the last few se- the few months of Yankees baseball and no one else was hitting consistently other than judge. So like, you know, the whole lineups, like people were like so shocked at how bad the Yankees lineup was. Like I wasn't the only guy I was shocked. at was judge. 
Like I thought Judge would, you know, either just be like, you know, hitting like well or just not being pitched to. But I didn't expect him just to join the crowd and be the worst of them all. So Judge not performing was surely the most shocking part uh, of the LCS. But this is the team that no hit us this year. This is the team that when we had all the momentum in the world steamrolling through everyone else in what was it, June, late June, early uh, mid-July when we faced them and just came to a screeching halt the second we faced their pitching staff. We had two walk-off wins, uh, one game which I think we scored four runs in the ninth inning and didn't do shit before then. And then the other game where I think we scored two in the eighth, one in the ninth or two and two to win those games. So like they, oh, right, because the, 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 the second walk-off the second, the one that was the judge home run. That was the game where they went like the first five or six innings getting no hit the day after getting no hit. So yeah, they, they had like, it was... <laughs> so this, like, why was this a surprise? These guys yeah. own our asses all fucking year. See, this is the thing that's not judge specific. It's more organizational, but it's like, you know, I guess judge specifically played like 55 games in a row or something, which obviously doesn't happen. And, um, you know, that probably wore him out or whatever, not to try to make excuses. Like, he's got a hit, and they needed him to hit, and he didn't, and that cost them. But someone was saying this. I can't remember who. It was an article, I think, in The Athletic. It's like, you know, in August, the Division League got a little slim, but then they kind of got it back up again. If You're sitting there with, like, a pretty comfortable Division League in the middle of September. Like, why didn't you start to do these things that you're going to have to do in the playoffs? It's like... Jamison Tyone didn't pitch in the fucking relief all year long. The first time he pitches in relief is game three of the Guardian series. And he, or what was it, game two or game three? Either way, um, the first time he pitches is in relief against the Guardians, he blew it. He blew the game. Like, they spent, you know, a lot of the season batting Judge leadoff. You know, whether it's because their leadoff hitters were hurt or it's because he was going for the home run thing. It's like, why are we not preparing for the playoffs? Like, do these things in mid-September. Play Peraza more. You know, you know what? Like, pitch Tyone in relief. Pitch Herman in relief. Like, do these things the last couple weeks of the season and actually prepare for the playoffs rather than as much as it was fun, right? Like, the playoff, the home run chase didn't win them a playoff series. Um. And, you know, someone was saying that, I think, in the Athletic today. It's like, they're not forward-thinking. They're reactionary. And the Astros, you know, had their shit all set up as they wanted and needed it to be. And they are a more forward-thinking organization that actually, like, you know, applies the information that they have. Imagine that. Wow. Using information the right way. Uh, We don't know what that is as Yankee fans, but... Um, guys, we have anything else to say tonight? Um, like this is like, we're going to have another episode once, you know, some more, I'm sure like, like every day, like, you know, you hear like little by little, uh, news come out from Cashman, from Paso. We're definitely gonna have more episodes, but I mean, there's really just not a whole lot. This is the us being sad episode. Yeah, this is the, this is the, this is the cathartic one. And then, yeah, as soon as we figure out the direction of the office, we could start getting into that. Although look, we we all said it in, in our reaction piece, like we don't. At least for me, I don't want to speak for for you guys, but um, it's going to be tough for me to just buy into to what the yeah. team's selling next year, unless there are some some real significant changes, right? Because if they just say, "Oh, injuries, Astros, bad luck, 
the roof, whatever the fuck it is. But we'll be better next year. We'll win the championship. We'll make minor changes. We'll retool the plan. It's like no, clearly I, I I can't I can't go through the same fucking bullshit over and over again and expect a, a, a flip to switch, right? We we talked about Aaron Boone doing this. Uh, oh, they'll just figure it out in October. That's why he doesn't take games seriously in June. Like it, it clearly it's it's not going to work. Like they got to do something wildly different next year whether that's completely turn over the roster whether it's changed the way they they do data whether it's bringing a new manager i don't care something has to be much different next year for me to actually be all in on the team next year otherwise we'll just casually watch the season it'll be like just waiting for the october implosion that's inevitable gee any final thoughts it's kind of hard like it's hard to really predict what the you know i think there's a lot of outcomes there's a range of potential outcomes for next year, um, if Judge leaves, you might have like a 75-win team. And who knows, right? It's like maybe Hal will just say, fuck this, and let's spend $315 million on payroll next year. Um, unlikely, sure, but like you don't really know. Um, was it the Associated Press? Someone caught Hal for a quote today. Basically, it was like, I don't think we would move on. Like, you know, basically saying like, Boone will be back. He didn't say shit about Cashman, as best I can tell. So who really knows? I think if he signs another contract, it probably won't be for five years like the last one. Um, that's just me guessing. And otherwise, if we're assuming, I think a lot of the reporters are speculating like Cashman probably be back. Um, now we, th- you know, we pretty much have a confirmation Boone will be back, and we just have to see, right? If they're committed to spending two hundred and sixty, two hundred eighty million dollars on payroll, then you might, you know have a comparably good team next year and if they don't then you know i'm gonna be watching you know nfl ota is a lot earlier than i probably thought i would be uh, yep well yeah uh to me the whole the whole issue with this organization is they just they really do believe and i like i've known this for years they really do think that one of these years like, all right, we're gonna if we just keep winning 90, 95 games every year, we'll run into a World Series. The chips will fall our, the dominoes will fall our way. We'll things will go right. We're not, we will have good injury luck. We'll be all good. We'll, we'll win one. But we'll, we'll run into one. That's their philosophy. And until that changes, it's like you said, Andrew. It's really tough to care. And also, like Brian Hoke just posted this now. He's I guess there's some event with Jeter going on. They asked Jeter about the 04 video, and he said he like he didn't answer. He just basically said that still makes him sick to this day just thinking about it. So, yeah, uh, I've seen people float around him as possible future GM. I don't, I don't. That's that seems like more of a pipe dream. Um, Brian Cashman will probably outlive my kids, um, to be honest, as Yankees GM. So, yeah, I think we just got to get used to this guy's of. The How Cashman and Boone show for the rest of our lives, you know. But yeah, yeah. like That's we said, we'll, thing we'll, about see. It. We, we'll see what happens. Like, see with the Giants, with the Knicks, with bad organizations, right? The only thing that's going to change is when the owner, the owner gets fed up with it being a clown show. Like, yep. the most resistant, right? The New York Giants, this antiquated old team, like we're resistant, and then eventually, whether he was forced to or otherwise. John Mara said, I'm going to change it. We're going to hire from outside of our friendly little bubble. And it's working out. So until, if, if Hal Steinbrenner is comfortable with where he's at, where it's like, win 95 games, win a handful of playoff games, make a shit ton of fucking money, 
and hit a bunch of home runs in the regular season or whatever. It's like, you know, that's what you're comfortable doing, and that's where we're at. And they can say that we expect to win a World Series every year, but, like, they don't fucking mean it. They don't. Nope. And that, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Yep, that's where we're all at, man. But that's really all we got for it. Like I said, we'll be back probably next week when we get more concrete news um, of stuff to talk about, maybe some judge updates. But until then, for Luigi, for G, for Andrew, this was the Bronx Bomber Bible Podcast presented to you by Six Pack Coverage. We'll talk to you guys next time.